back to In Ema's Eyes, a podcast where we journey through the weekly Torah portion. This is Sasha Clark, your host, and I just thank you for joining me. I've been on my own parenting journey for the past 25 years, and I am happy to be walking alongside you during your parenting journey. Um, I'm on a quest with this podcast to learn all that I can about being the best parent I can be to my physical children, my own inner child, and my spiritual children using God as the perfect template. So, and, and, and I also hope that my hindsight about some of my parenting mistakes could become your insight. So let's learn together. This week's Parsha is the final Parsha in um, Parsha in the book of Genesis, Bereshit. And so congratulations. If you are on listening to this podcast, you have made it through 20% of the tour so far. We have been um, at this every week since, uh, I guess it would be the beginning of October, just after the high holidays, actually. And this is also the final installment of this this family drama, the final installment of uh, what, what I call the the three surprising ways to break generational patterns without turning into a doormat. So um, let's begin. This is Parsha Vayachi, and it starts in Genesis 47, uh, verse 28, and it ends in chapter 50, verse 26, which is the final chapter and verse of Genesis. And we will carry on with Shemot next week. We left Vayigash last week with Jacob's family settling in Goshen. Uh, and Vayaki starts in Aaliyah, the first Aaliyah, with um, Jacob Pat living out his last 17 years in Egypt. And when he sensed that his days were numbered, he summoned Joseph and asked him to promise that he would bury him in Israel. And of course, jo- Joseph agreed. Then when Jacob fell ill, Joseph visited him and brought his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob conferred upon Ephraim and Manasseh the status of tribal um, progenitors, And so he basically blessed them in the same manner that he is going to then turn around and bless his own sons. Um, So Joseph asked his father then to bless Ephraim and Manasseh personally. So in the second Aaliyah, Joseph presents his two sons, placing Manasseh, the firstborn, to Jacob's right and Ephraim to Jacob's left. But Jacob, who's blind at this point, crosses his hands. And so Joseph tries to correct that. And this is where we really see the final act of Teshuvah because Jacob is like, no, I know what I'm doing. And he blesses both of them. He says, may the angel who redeemed me from all harm bless these two boys and may they be called by my name and by the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they multiply abundantly like fish. And then in the third Aaliyah, like I said, Joseph's a little disturbed that he's switched hands and Jacob goes, no, I, and I know what I'm doing here. Jacob blesses the two boys further and further on says, all of Israel will bless each other and bless their children saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, um, many Jewish families on Friday night during the Shabbat meal will place their hands on their children's heads and bless the boys saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And bless the girls saying, may God make you like Rachel and Leah. So we see that Jacob's not only stopping a generational pattern of favoritism, he's also setting a new template for generations to come that every child in the family will be blessed by their children. Now, why is this blessing thing such a big deal, right? We talked a couple of Persia Persiotes ago about um, the 
about the blessing and how the firstborn usually gets the blessing of the physical blessings of the father, which is the double portion. And that the youngest, we have a pattern since the time of Abraham, that the youngest child, um, including Isaac and Jacob, are getting blessed with the spiritual blessings and um, the the rituals and the responsibilities of cultivating that relationship with Hashem, with God, and and being the tribal servant, if you will, as far as setting the pattern of worship for the family. So that's a big deal, and you see a lot of the conflicts prior to this parsha being surrounding around what is the best way to come before God, who is the best person to have that um, that spiritual blessing. And when you have the, this big family of 12, you know, the favoritism is, is just not working anymore. I mean, Jacob is definitely seeing that this favoritism thing is just not working anymore. So <clears throat> in the fourth, fifth, and sixth Aaliyah, Jacob um, go, carries on with blessing um, all of his children, all of the, the sons, the sixth Aaliyah rounding out his blessing with for Benjamin. And then he repeats his request to be buried in Israel. He passes away and Pharaoh and the entire nation of Egypt mourn him for a long part, a long period of time. I think it's like 70 days. And then there's this huge funeral procession up to the land of Israel where J- uh, Joseph sits sh- Shiva for his for his father for seven days. And, um, and Joseph reassures the other boys that he has no ill feelings towards them now that his father's died, that they're still safe in their relationship with him. And then the seventh Aaliyah, we have Joseph living until the age of 110. And before he passes away, he asks his brothers to please take him. He tells them, God will eventually take you out of Egypt and return you to the promised land. Please take my, my remains with you when you go. So this is really cool. Um, we haven't, so my takeaways, we haven't really seen God in the Parsha for a while. Um, he's been guiding from the side, like I, like I said last week, letting Jacob and Joseph and Judah and, you know, the rest of the family kind of have a do-over or a second chance to have that playback like we talked about last week so they can choose for themselves a different way to react to their circumstances. This is, um, and this is the way to change generational patterns. It begins with awareness. It begins with recognizing that what I'm doing is not working. What I've what I've learned from my parents and my grandparents is not working in this generation. It's not working in my family right now. So we see um, <clears throat> Jacob during Jacob's grief during Joseph's imprisonment gave him ample time to see how he too was choosing a favorite and how damaging that was to the family. Now, often during trauma, we like to blame and shame, but in my family. We have a motto that when we're in a bad boat together, we choose to focus on how we're going to row our way out instead of figuring out who's to blame for this. There's no, there's really no sense in getting, wasting precious energy, getting to the bottom of it. We just try to uh, figure out a way out together. And that has been really helpful. I think, um, I, that's, so our motto is we're all in this together. I think that this is a similar teaching to what Brene Brown teaches, where she says, let's put the problem in front of us instead of between us. And that's kind of the same 
principle that if we're already in this boat, it doesn't matter how we got in the boat. That's all in the past. I can't control how we got here because that it's already happened. It's over. I can't do anything about it anymore. But what I can do is choose how I'm going to react right now in this moment to take us forward. So, um, because really, if you, if we're honest with ourselves, we all in some small way contribute to the problems that we have. So with our choices, um, now with the exception of blatant victimization, and I want my, I hope my listeners understand that I'm not victim blaming in, in situations where someone is really overpowered another person with their choices. Um, and since this is a family friendly podcast, I won't give you an example of blatant victimization, but I think the adults on, on listening probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but again, I hope my listeners understand I'm not victim blaming, but in most other scenarios where everyone has a choice and no one's choices are overpowering in others, we all kind of contribute to being in this boat together. So we just need to find a way to work together to get out of it and row, row, row our boats to shore. So, <clears throat> but like this scenario with favoritism and sibling rivalry, we have a part to play in that. We just may not be self-aware enough to see it. And so I feel like um, Jacob spent a lot of time becoming aware of the problem. The next step in breaking generational patterns, so step two, is prayer and contemplation. The Torah doesn't actually specify this, but Jacob may have rehearsed in his mind those 20 years everything he needed, he should have done differently. And he very well cried out in his grief, asking God to help him change. It seems pretty obvious from his change of reaction and the boys' reaction to Benjamin that the whole family actually was trying to behave differently or trying to ask for help to become differently and make the family closer and stop the sibling rivalry. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of respect for this, actually. And I want to tell you a quick story about a generational pattern that I have been been successful through in the in the strength of Hashem and the strength of God to um, to change. My mother was raised in a home where physical abuse was normal and verbal abuse was normal, and she chose when she had children to not spank my brother and I, and um, may her memory always be for a blessing. And that was her way of breaking the generational pattern, much like Jacob, who doesn't make a complete correction at the beginning of Joseph's life, right? But he just says, I'm, this is the buck stops here. I'm going to try. And he spends his whole life learning to be a different parent. And that's, that's my mom. And, um, in my life, I all, I, she still was a yelling mom. She still, uh, verbally abused us, but, um, but she did try her best and she never raised, she never spanked either of us. So, um, and she, yes. And when I say physical abuse in her generation, I, I mean much more than spanking. Um, but again, for the sake of not, um, disrespecting her memory, I'm, I don't really want to go into it on this podcast, but when I say physical abuse, I just want you to know that that's far more than spanking in her generation. So it was a lot of work for her to just parent without parent without spanking. That was a big decision for her lifetime and her generation. In my generation, then I also was a yelling mom. I also, uh, verbally abused my kids to a smaller degree than my mother did to us. However, after she passed away, even the small amount of yelling that I was doing, which was a large amount compared to some people, but a small amount compared to what I was raised with, um, even that started bothering me. And I started crying out to God and saying, I don't want to be a yelling mom anymore. Please help me change. Please 
help me find a new way to do this. And I went, I had a two year experience where I was, well, it was right in the middle of COVID actually. So, so the answer to my prayer was here, spend 24, seven, 365 with your kids and learn to be more patient and talk differently to them uh, because you don't really have anywhere else to go or anything else to do right now. So I spent all of COVID practicing new parenting skills with my kids. And, um, and I can happily say to you that, uh, we are different. I don't yell. I rarely yell at my kids. I do raise my voice sometimes to call for them when they're in another room and they may not be able to hear me in a regular voice, but that's, I, I really, I don't yell, um, very often. I maybe once or twice a month now compared to every day. It was every day, several times a day before. And, um, and it's, it's a miracle. And I think, I thank God for that every day. Um, because it was breaking my heart, it was breaking their hearts, and it wasn't a good way to parent. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you are become, have become aware of something in your life that you would like to change, but you're not sure what the next steps are, I am here for you, and you can reach out to me, and we can talk. I don't know if I have the answers, but I would be happy to pray for you. And maybe between the, the three of us, me and you and God, maybe the, I, the answers will come to us. So um, if you are also interested in just getting some support on your journey, I do have a Facebook group, a parenting support Facebook group, and it isn't very active right now, but I'd like it to be a place of conversations where people can support each other in their parenting journey. So you are welcome to come. I'd be happy to support you on your, on your journey. So, um, I will put the link for the Facebook group in the show notes also. The final act of breaking generational patterns, so this is step three, is to really harness the power of choice in creating a new future. And so that means learning to parent differently or learning to whatever differently um, and really taking that 180 degree step in the, a different direction. And at the end of his life, Jacob sets a parenting pattern for him for himself, but he also sets it up for the entire nation after him to, um, to continue to bless their own children. And before I run out of time today, I want you to know that this is no small thing. Saying a blessing over your children is no small thing. It's a prophetic act, if nothing else. Um, but it is a huge thing. When we speak a blessing, we are, that's the highest form of prayer we can speak. If it literally in, in the spirit, supernatural sense forces the hand of God to bless that person, irregardless of their merit or their, the mitzvot that they've done or what kind of standing they have in God's eyes, because he's also a righteous judge. So if we pray and ask permission for him to bless them, then that is, then we have, then he gets to judge if they're worthy of the blessing or not. But when we bless them, we're judging them as worthy. We're judging them from our heart of love towards them. And so he has to bless, he has to honor our blessing. And so it's amazing. It's a, it's the highest form of prayer you can do. We should literally be going around every day saying, may God bless you. May God bless you. May God, not, not, not like bless you because you sneezed, but like at the end of every podcast, you'll notice I said, may God bless you with wisdom and understanding and peace. You know, those are things I'm saying from a heart of love. And those things are coming your way because I'm, because I'm speaking that. And our words have the power to change our DNA as well. So um, my parenting touch point is that I just want to take a pa- this pause between here at the end of Genesis and next week, the beginning of Exodus to really just ask ourselves a few questions. Do you feel like you have control over the narrative you're rehearsing? Are you aware of the story that you're telling yourself and your children about your life? Do you have 15 or 
30 minutes to journal about this this week. Listen to yourself speak about your own children this week. Listen to yourself speak about your family. What do you notice? Any patterns emerging? I'm wondering how you feel about the themes in your relationships with your children. And I'll be doing the same. These are all rhetorical questions. I'll be journaling the same thing. Um, So anyway, more next time as we launch it to the book of Exodus next week. I'm so excited. Congratulations on making it through 20% of the Torah with me. Thanks for tuning in. And may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you with a new story and with God's life-giving narrative for you and your family. Until next time, shalom.